Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Hey, I look stunned. I, you can't see me because there's no, but uh, to you, I look stunned because I was like trying to watch the music to make sure because it, it'll autoplay the next song. So I was like, eh, we don't want to have the other music and stuff over Dustin talking. So, yeah. Hello. <laughs> And also joined by Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Yo, Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to everyone and it's happy over. holidays. Stop it. Christmas. It's like the Happy New Year thing. It's over. What is the default time after New Year's passes that you're allowed to say Happy New Year? Like, I, I think it's only a couple days. For me, I give it seven days. Spe- and specifically because, like, what bothers me is like the first week back to work after like all the holidays and stuff and into New Year's, every meeting starts. So good morning, everyone. Oh, happy new year. And it's literally the 45th time you've heard it that day. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely, there definitely is a threshold where you need to stop saying it. Yeah. I give it a week because like, you know, you, in that first week, you probably see people that you maybe didn't see just before to wish them the happy new year but then you'll see them after and you can say yo happy new year but other than that once that january 7th 8th hits fuck it you're not getting it from me no i have a person limit the first five people i see get it after that you're toast you don't get it's like a door crasher at best buy yeah <laughs> limited quantities yeah limited there are 15, quantities of happy there are 15 new happy new years first 15 people i see get a happy new year doesn't matter if you're a stranger my fucking dad doesn't matter. <laughs> first 15 people I see. You know, you know what bugs me? The people that post like first this of the new year, first this of the new year. And I'm just like, oh, my God. It's like the people are like don't wear white after Labor Day. And it's like every day is after Labor Day. Fuck off. I got a happy new year in the elevator today. But it's not the new year. yet. Like, it's not. It is still the year of our Lord and Savior 2022. Austin Matthews exactly <laughs> so like how do you respond to that because if you're so like vehemently against it against it what is your response I wasn't vehemently against it like uh, like Jimmy is I was just I was like oh, okay happy new year to you too like I don't know this guy's name like he's just some guy in the building that you happens to live on, on the same floor as me like oh okay, yeah happy new year I guess you should and, just next time give him Cool story, bro. <laughs> it's, like, no, just, it's, it's still 2022. Happy New Year. No. <laughs> it's, it's not yet. No. If anything, he's really late. Like, we're talking about a week late yeah, to dude. the whole Happy New Year thing. This man's 50 like weeks late, pal. 11 months late. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Rump, Rumpelstiltskin. He's just waking up after a long time. Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> well, speaking of being late, we are a day late or so. Uh, on this podcast because well it was the holiday and we uh enjoyed christmas over the weekend and boxing day and all that that it entails but this of course is 43.6 and this is episode 38 of 43.6 is brought to you by now your treasures which we will talk a bit more about later but we do want to also talk about a few things on this show the toronto blue jays trade that was made carlos correa may or may not end up being playing in Major League Baseball, a baseball at, all at this point. A baseball player, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> the World Juniors, in uh, typical fashion, has kicked off in the holiday season, and Canada is off to a wonderful start. 
as well as the NFL schedule is wrapping up. So we have a bit of uh, topics to discuss there. But before we get to all that, we want to talk about our weekend. Of course, it was Christmas, so I'm sure there was something that happened in your week this past week since we last gathered for this episode. I think um, Maddie wants to go first. No, Dustin should go first because I we think he always should. go first. What? I think he should. Yeah, you go first. We always go first, Dustin. You go first. Okay, like, so <laughs> I'm saying like, in my head, yeah, I'm thinking shit because I don't remember um, anything, actually. Obviously, it was Christmas, whatever Christmas. Um, but I guess things actually matter. I did do a couple things over the past few days. One, yesterday, I saw Knives Out for the first time yesterday because I know the new one is on Netflix and I had never actually seen the first one. And I enjoyed it. So uh, my recommendation for a two-year-old movie, go see it. <laughs> Haven't seen the new one yet. I Although for a new movie, I did go to the... the sorry, talk about this. I went to, I saw Avatar. We talked about us seeing Avatar yet? No. No. Have we not talked about this on the show yet? No, us we, going to see we, Avatar? we talked about Avatar as a whole and how Jim hates it, but we didn't talk about seeing it because you were... The last we talked about it, you were planning on seeing it over the break. I don't right, want a 20 minute to, discussion about blue cats and water. I really don't. So is it thumbs up, thumbs down? <laughs> Let's move on. I think Wednesday, we talked about December. it in the, the other discord we're in. And that's probably yeah. what you're remembering. Yeah. So it was the 21st when I saw it. So yes, we have not talked about this yet. Um, it was, it was what you'd expect. It was a very painfully long movie. Was it a good movie? Eh. It's it's fine. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, the visuals are so great." I guess, like, but that's not I, a movie. The thing with that, that's that's an special attraction, right? No, I I get what you're saying, but the problem with something looking really good, or and I'm not saying it didn't. Obviously, it's a good looking movie, but I feel like after five minutes, you're just used to it. Yeah, and like the whole movie looks this good. So okay. Like, point. I'm not blown away anymore. Like I, this is the standard you've given me, and it looks good. Now, to a more trained eye, could you tell me like, oh, this scene looked better than that scene? Or sure, probably. But I mean, it was a 3D movie that I don't want to watch in 3D. But I understand that you have to. So I went and saw it in IMAX 3D. Did you see HFR? So no. So there is no HFR in the IMAX version, at least not in the Cineplex theaters. The HFR one, the high frame rate one. Just yeah, so it's only on the non IMAX versions, at least in terms of Cineplex. Okay, I think you can get a higher frame rate one, but then it has to be like a two laser IMAX instead of a four laser IMAX. But I don't think there are any two laser IMAX for Cineplex. It's a whole fucking thing. Nerd. So I I just saw IMAX 3D, and again it was fine. It's an old. It's it's just a very fucking long movie. There was plenty of times throughout this movie where I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, Can stop. we move on now? Yeah. And the scene kept going. So. You know what? You you brought up a good point, and I'm going to fire back kind of at James Cameron about this because fuck that guy. The thing I like about how what Marvel's done with their films, and I know he hates superhero movies, even though he, yes, he does. does them. Um, they You, you make a good point. Like, there's... Like, think about Endgame when everybody starts appearing on screen. Like, that isn't a thing that you saw before then, so it wasn't... Like there, it, it was special in that moment, right? 
So, like, you see all the characters show up on screen, and you're like, holy fuck. And there's this, like, 10-minute, 15-minute battle. And then what they've done since Endgame is bring things down really, really low. So that, I'm assuming, when we start seeing things like Ant-Man, and th- which are going to be higher in that, like, visual, um, like, tickle your fancy quality, I think y- you don't have that, that boredom that I think you said or or desensitization to what you're seeing. And I don't know if that's intentional or not, but if it is, it's pretty clever to kind of not flood the audience with just hammering them over the head with visuals, right? So, like, I don't know if that's intentional, but... But I think the thing with Endgame, though, is, like, throughout the movie, yes, it was roughly three hours. It was, like, two hours and 50 minutes or whatever. I think it was over three hours, wasn't it? Endgame? I'll look it it up, but I I feel like Endgame was longer than three hours. Well, I know it was shorter than Avatar, and I know that clocked in at like three twelve. So it didn't feel like three hours to me, though. Right, and that's what I'm saying. And this is where my point is because there's a beat at every point to keep you engaged, where you didn't feel like this is dragging on, this is dragging on, right? So, you know, you had the callbacks to the first Avengers movie. So you're like, wow, this is really cool. Cap's fighting Cap, and then you have. The Dude, they fucking to cut Thanos' head off. They fucking cut Thanos' head off in the first 15 minutes. Right. Like, there's a so kick like in the ass. That. They kick you down the road. Yeah. And then the five years later. Like, that movie was very well paced. Exactly. It was three, it was three hours, one minute. Okay. Uh, so, so Endgame is longer than three hours. So, three hours to me seems like such a, a ridiculous amount of time for a movie. And uh, interestingly, as I say that, I was going to see Babylon at some point this week, which is over three fucking hours. So I'm like, this is like some like bootleg Margot Robbie movie. And this is going to be three fucking hours long. Like, I still want to see it. But like, that's an now I have to watch. Now I have to pack a fucking lunch is to go see this goddamn movie. <laughs> three hours, eight minutes for Babylon. Comes in with it a is four hard minutes shorter. Four minutes shorter than Avatar. And Avatar is like known as historically as like, the bullshit long movie and some but fucking I Babylon think, that stars Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie is going to be three hours and what eight minutes. But I think that lends to what Maddie's saying is I think that maybe there's something to like this film or, you know, these types of film where it's just, it's not, you know, for a certain crowd or like, it's just not enough to drag you through. Like at some point it's just, it's not enough, right? There's not enough substance. It's all flash, no dash. And maybe that's, you the know? way, yeah, the way I look at it with something like Endgame and what they did so well is it felt like every half hour or every 40 minutes, there was a hook yeah. to keep you in, right? So, like you said, there's the first 25 minutes of the movie, fucking, but there were also, yeah, and there's all, I think, also, like, you, how do you connect to a fucking blue cat? Like, you can't, it's a fucking blue cat. And now, like, way of the water. Like, okay, sure, whatever. But, like, like you said, in Endgame, there's these moments of, of like, Steve Rogers in, in like, a, a group, like, talking about loss. Like, I think everyone can connect to that. Like, you can't connect to being a fucking cat on a flying manta ray, like, with a spear. Like, nobody understands this. No, like, there's, well, there's single, like, there's not a person in this world that's, like, I identify, well, like, as a, like, blue well, cat. <laughs> Like, you know, there's people out there who do. Yeah, yeah I'm canceled. Anyways, I'm, I'm canceled. Um, <laughs> I think it's important to also note that obviously Endgame had the benefit of, of of 10 years and 20-something yeah. uh, movies 
leading up to that. And this was the big blow off of all of that. Sure. So it it wasn't just a random Marvel movie that was over three hours like um, <laughs> Eternals was. You were, look you were invested. You were like you, you had 10 years of investment from like teen and like youth years or like adolescent years into adulthood. Like you grew with it. I said right, I Eternals was only, this shit. Yeah, Eternals only two and a half hours, but you get my point where yeah. we cared about these characters, not just through the storytelling of that one particular movie. It was just a blow off. Of, for, so honestly, that's probably more of an accomplishment from a, a, a standalone movie perspective that you're not trying to use that three hours to be like, here's the beginning, middle and end. Here's the threat. Here's what's happened with this threat. And here's how we overcome the threat. The three hours was entirely the, the comeback. The solution, yeah. Aside from that, like this is exactly like it, a very different way to write a movie, I guess. It's yeah, literally because, the like, climax in the denouement. Like it was like know, everything back half already, of storytelling yeah. in one movie. Everything yes. had already been established over the last 10 years. Like this is literally right. three hours of the end, like which is, you're right, more like I think more impressive, right? Which, man, it just lends to the Russos too, because those guys did episodes of Community. They did Winter Soldier, where Jim and me had this talk the other day. Might be the most perfect Marvel movie, Winter Soldier, that they did. Um, I, I really like Winter Soldier just because I think it's the closest thing we'll ever get to a Metal Gear Solid movie. Well, <laughs> I, I, would, I think, was it Winter Soldier, where I said it's the closest to a comic, comic book. book in a movie form that you'd get. Like, you can envision the panels of a comic as you watch that movie. Like you can envision the fight scene in the street between Cap and Winter Soldier as comic book panel by panel. Like you can see Dude, it. Like not when even he flips that. the knife. You can you can see the the sound the sound word like the onomatopoeia for on the knife to be like and you know him catching it and Cap holding the shield. Like you can see it in the way it would be drawn out. Not not even that. Like the action scenes, I think, are the easy ones. I think the. The difficult ones that I noticed when you texted me that because I flipped on it was on TV. Um, yeah, that's why I was watching it too. Was the scene where what you're talking about uh, Winter Soldier? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that was on like CTV, CTV Space sci- or some shit. Sci-fi, yeah. Yeah. They did the Marvel. <laughs> yeah, I was watching yeah. that too. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're all together in this. Uh, the scene where they're in the mall on the run from Shield. Yeah, and you you have them walking right, and she's like, um, when you're running away, you walk, you don't run or whatever. And then they're on the escalator. So like walking is one panel. The escalator is another panel. Frank right. Grillo is the next panel. Them kissing is the next panel. Like it's it's very, you're right. I saw it all in comic book form when you said that. I had it when they were on the plane at the start. Yeah. When they're going onto the ship to get Batroc and they're having that discussion. That's the kind of moment where it hit for me where I'm like, you can see the flashing where it's like one panel it's dark and they're talking the next panel it's lit up red because you have like the red emergency light yep. flashing and they're and that's kind of where it hits me did he just jump out of the plane did he have a pack <laughs> he <Yeah>. did not <laughs> also he, did Fra- not. he just jumped man frank grillo so underused as cross they did that like they did that man dirty yeah like he should have like they shouldn't have killed him off in civil war they should have which Again, if the rumors are true that Kevin Feige wants literally everyone to come back for civil or for secret wars, like the rumor is, is Chris Evans is coming back as Johnny Storm, which I would full boner for that because I was a fan of the Fantastic Four movies, like in so much as just seeing them on the screen, it was really cool for me. And Silver Surfer is like my favorite hero, even though they should have done it better. 
Yeah, this is quite the rabbit hole we can go down of like yeah. what we want to see in Secret Wars because there's a lot of cool theories out there. Like there's that one, plus there's also the the Tom Cruise as Iron Man one that won't go away. Yeah, it won't go away. And, but yeah. I think that'd be badass. Although to bring that around back around to Tom Cruise, uh, fuck man, when I was watching the previews for this, actually there's two things I want to bring up about this. Watching the previews before Avatar starts, they showed like this extended cut of the new Mission Impossible movie and like behind the scenes of Tom filming the stunt where he drives a motorcycle off a cliff and then base jumps off the motorcycle. <laughs> that guy has to be insane, right? Like well, something not right about film. Tom Cruise. He's Dude. gonna die on a film. I think that's his goal. I think Dude, that's there, what his goal is too. Yeah. There are people who have who have died doing less. Like who just happen to be on the wrong subway or like <laughs> walk in front of the wrong car right this guy literally drives things there he put out a holiday message where he's in a plane and he's like just want to yeah, say <laughs> happy holidays thank you for supporting <laughs> top gun maverick i gotta go film this now and he like jumps out of the plane he's like all right plane. merry christmas but, everyone we only have a limited time to film this stunt and he like he's skydiving while wishing people a merry christmas doesn't that give you an appreciation for his films though because you know what you're getting is so authentic and so like he's just he's just in it do you know what i mean where a lot of guys you can be like hey okay cut stunt doubles whatever dude he's but a white know jack chan he's putting everything of himself into these into his movies so while the movie itself may come out and be like eh, it's a less than stellar movie you still want to see it because you know you're getting the most out of a person in that film right like the last mission impossible was awesome so like good. i really like those movies like rogue nation was so good very good and so like you see those and you're just like man he is gonna kill himself on a movie and that's his that's his whole thing he wants to go out in a blaze of glory but the dude's touched by what's what whatever the scientologist the alien god is or whatever to survive for our enjoyment and entertainment and that's probably why he's still kicking, Gene, like Jim Gene said. Rodberg. There's guys that died building the stadiums in Qatar. And this guy's <laughs> jumping out of planes and shit for our entertainment and living to see the next one. And he's like 60. Yeah, it definitely encouraged me to go see that movie in IMAX. Like, I would have oh, seen it regardless. It encouraged you to jump out of a plane. <laughs> oh, God, no. 100% no. That is not something I'll ever be doing unless I need to jump out of a plane. I just want to say, Happy New Year. Listen to the 42.6 podcast. <laughs> I got to go now. <laughs> Jumps off a couch. <laughs> Although, and I, I, this is uh, way off topic, but um, speaking of jumping out of a plane, I was over the holiday break watching the original Power Rangers movie. Oh, Big. The airboarding? Yeah. So that's, so I had two questions. I mean, I had many questions throughout this movie, watching it now as an adult. One, <laughs> who's letting these fucking teenagers just jump out of the plane? Like, there is no supervision. It's some asshole driving the plane, or flying the plane, I, should, I guess is how you would say it. And then there's a group of teenagers, and then Bulk and Skull, who are, I always assume Bulk and Skull were, like, these mid-20s guys who were, like, trying, who kept failing grade 12. It's kind of <laughs> like this uh, one dude we had in our high school. I don't remember how, I don't remember his name. Jerome Messam, that was his name, who I feel like dropped or not dropped out but like had a lot of trouble in school and he was like in his 20s like finishing grade 12 but he played on the football team and he was a starting running back and our high school won like the national title that year because he's like a 20 year old running over teenagers. i'm pretty sure i'm pretty That's, sure that dude played in the cfl i'm pretty sure i've heard that he name. did yeah wow. yeah he played for saskatchewan i believe for a, a year or so anyways that was the first thing of like how are these teenagers allowed to do any of this and all the people down the floor 
like cheering them on like yeah go fucking whatever high school how Angel is this girl. allowed and then b what the fuck is tommy doing with the snowboard who does that he's airboarding but your whole gripe in a movie teenagers jumping out of a sky dome when you have ivan ooze and rita repulsa and giant robots and monsters and that's your gripe and don't forget about them going to another world and like yeah. Somehow this world has like perfectly uh, the perfect right balance of oxygen and they're just okay with that. And then they bump into this like lady who swings sticks around and she's wearing like nothing. nothing. And it's like, Jesus, how did that get through the cut? Right? Like how did someone not say, yo, this is for kids. Like what are we doing here? <laughs> this girl's when like, we should put like some fucking pants on her or something. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but it's a classic. <laughs> it's something. All right. Okay, so your break, you saw Avatar, you did the family thing. <clears throat> Very nice. Oh, yeah, and I also uh, got a new reverse retro jersey, and I put Giordano on it. Nice. Oh, nice. That's a good choice. Yeah, so I, mean, I got Giordano on it, and I got the Salming patch on the shoulder as well. Nice. So it's going to be a pretty cool-looking sweater when it's done. That, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Jim? Uh, fuck it. It was Christmas. Kid was happy. <laughs> Ate food. Exchanged gifts. You know the, You know the deal. I'm not, I'm not, what am I going to talk about? I mean, ours is pretty much the same because it was same family shared. Yeah. yeah. Other than like, Oh, what's it called? Watching. I talk about the, so my partner got me the, and my brother one, the crunch cup. And it's the Which best I did thing. I buy that, cereal today, by the way. What? I did buy cereal today. I'm going to try it tomorrow. So the crunch cup is. It's a cup that you pour cereal in a middle cylinder, which stays separate from the milk, and the outer cup, like an infuser, right? Only it doesn't infuse. There's two spouts, one that spouts the cereal and one that spouts the milk, and there's a choke on it so you can control how much milk you get out of it, and it works perfectly, and it's the best invention ever, and I've used it three times already. Wait, hold on. So I check, check general, Dustin. I did just send you well yeah i just google search crunch cup and i, I ended up on a website called thecrunchcup.com so i assume that's what you're talking about yep. yeah so i was envisioning a bowl originally nope no cereal to go you can take it on the go so you're you're fucking drinking this thing but no you're yeah. not because it disperses the cereal and the milk separately and then you eat it because sure. it's not soggy like, it's the best yeah if anything you're saving dishes because you're going sand spoon yep I mean, I, I, I can. For I'm those who can't see it. right now, Dustin's trying to process this as he's thinking about it. <laughs> but, but hold on. Are, like, are you taking this on the go or are you just literally sitting at your desk or sitting both. on the couch? Why not drinking both? Drinking your fucking cereal. Why not Either both? Way. Well, you can't do both. I'm asking what you've done with it thus far. Oh, I stood in the kitchen and I sat on the couch. Well, I haven't gone to work yet. So, yeah. That's my point. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Just, I'm going to take it to work. I don't, I don't know. I, I I just use a bowl and a spoon, but no, maybe I'm old-fashioned. Honestly, I saw this thing on TikTok, and it's actually pretty clever. And so I'm excited to try it. I just can't decide if it's going to be Frosted Flakes or Cinnamon Toast Crunch, or if I go real crazy and do half-half. I've done how many, Corn Pops How many times in your life... Cheerios. Do you, how many times Cheerios in your life do you think you have been influenced by a product on social media, or in this case, TikTok? Four times. I can count. To fucking 50 to 100, maybe? Like, fuck, dude. That's... I will say this. My I'm like fucking that, you know worst. that you know that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio where he's from 
uh, whatever he's smoking the cigarette and he's like pointing. Like <laughs> yeah, that's from, me uh, every time I see something on TikTok that I want. I'm like, whoa, fuck. <laughs> like the belt. I almost bought the belt, bro. Yeah. No, it's but nobody, true. Like, do you know what the belt bro is? No. The what? Belt bro. Oh, okay. I do know what this is. Kay. And he sh- like the level <laughs> of excitement when he showed me this, I was so upset. Dude, the belt bro is basically two straps. <laughs> Velcro. <laughs> that, are, that are Velcro. And you put them on your two side belt loops to keep your pants tight. So there's no buckle. And so it just, it basically shrinks the waist of your pants with these two Velcro straps. Yeah, see, I haven't had a problem where I need to shrink the waist of my pants. I think I need to expand the waist of my pants. My, no, see, forward. my problem is I got a hockey hockey player's build. So, like, my ass and my thighs are massive, and they're bigger, they're no wider calves. than my waist. What? <laughs> but no calves. It's a typical hockey player. No calves. Yeah, so like, so, like, my pants are always falling down my ass because they need to fit my thighs and, and whatever. So, the belt row would be fantastic because I could just, whoosh, and then we're good to go. And buying hockey jeans, like jeans made for hockey players, is fucking expensive. Yes. Like the gong show so, jeans are very expensive. They fit properly, though, because it's like a cinched waist yeah. and like a stretchy waist. So you can get it over, but you can still close it because typical hockey players, big lower body, but their waist is small. So like Jimmy's got a smaller waist than his legs. So like I get why he wants it. But like it was one of those things, 100%, if you were like up coming back from like the bar and it was like three in the morning and you're sitting down watching <laughs> something with your crunch cup and some cereal you would see as an ad on, Dude, at three in the morning imagine, on tv imagine okay first of all i would never wear this tucked you wear this tucked you're fucked because well, you don't tuck your you don't shirt you anyway. can't show this tucked. you can't show this anybody no right? you, you can't let anyone know you're actually wearing it's gotta be uh, i'm not even reaching high for anything because i wouldn't want people <laughs> to see it um second thing is if there was any sort of like romantic endeavor with these like she's walking out immediately this is it's like it's like how many times how many times has that been like idolized or like iconicized in media of like you know like a guy and a girl are getting it getting it on or whatever and he's like fumbling with her underwear like he's fucking with the bra strap. He can't figure it out. She can fuck with, with the belt bra. <laughs> the 2023 version of that scene will be, the well, you know what? Bro. The 2023 version will probably be two dudes. And then like the one guy would be like trying to pull on the, like what the fuck's going on here? And then like the belt bro. they'll have to have this conversation about the belt bro. Actually, you yeah. know what? That's a great ad campaign. For there you go. It is actually. So teach them how to undo it. But yeah, she's oh, yeah. she's walking away for sure. It's it's pocket protector levels of fucking nerd. Um, but it's, it's actually like it's one of those things. Like in theory, you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. But like then you start thinking, if I were ever caught dead in this, like if someone had a photo, like that, I, I would be like Malgan and Dubis. Like that, I would be Dubis, and Malgan <laughs> would be a photo of me with a belt bro. Like that would be it. That's probably what he's got on him. He's got Dubis. <laughs> Dubis has a belt bro. <laughs> Mal- <laughs> he reached for coffee, and Malgan was like, nah. So yeah. you said you can name the four products that you were influenced by on social media. Is the Udi is one, right? 100%. The Udi is one because it's comfy as fuck. And like I said, Jim's got one. Dustin, next year Christmas, you may be getting an Udi because <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. With a 43.6 logo on it. Yeah, 100%. Or like Rick and Morty or some shit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> one or the other. Yeah, one or the other. So Udi, yes. 
The second one was um, this like massager. So it's uh, like, you know, like roll, like a foam roller. So it's a ball, but it has like a massaging function on it. So like you can, in, instead of rolling, you put the ball on the point that you want and you kind of like press it in and then you it massages at the same time as getting, you know, the muscle in the joint area that you have a problem with or whatever. So there's that. <clears throat> the other one is, um, it was like an anime hoodie thing. So it's like, it's an anime hoodie. So it's stylized after a character. So it looks like his uniform. So my wife actually ended up getting it for me for Christmas because I was going to buy it. And she's like, no, you know, like, you don't know your size. You don't know how it'll work and blah, blah, blah. So she ended up buying it for me for Christmas, which is awesome. It's after Deku's uh, stealth outfit from the recent My Hero movie. And then, <clears throat> and then the other one was a, uh, what is it? I think how to put it. It's like a Dr. Ho thing, but it's like wireless and through an app. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That sounds so, like a, a toy for a woman. <laughs> I know. Eh? That's, uh, well, yeah. So it's like a Dr. Ho thing, but like you had come do warm up on it. You can do muscle recovery, massaging. You can do tens machine. You can even do it on long haul flights. So you put it on like your legs or your back or something to keep blood flowing, you know, avoid blood clots and cramping and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so that that's pretty much most of what I've gotten, but my wife is worse than Jim. She sees something and she gets it. Well, I think there's one more that you're, you're missing. Uh Oh, because I saw a picture today of proof that you have become a prime boy. That's you guys though. I mean, I didn't buy it myself. It I was, got it for him, and he no, took a sip. And he goes, "He goes, it's it's he goes, it's kind of sweet. It's very sweet. It's a sweeter like the one I had, the lemon lime, which was it was good, but it was a much sweeter version of yellow Gatorade, and like a fake okay. sweet, not like a not like a sugar sweet that you would get in something like." like juice where it's still fake sweet but it's more of just sugar it's very almost like a synthetic like a stevia or something like that well it is sucralose and uh the it's sucralose and the potassium i can't pronounce the last word potassium yeah so no it was it was good but man i don't know how you guys drink a whole like i just finished that today and it was like Open the fridge, have like a small I do sip nurse mine. I really do. Yeah. I can't. I don't know to... how you guys can drink a full one in a sitting. Oh, I just, I had the Meta Moon over this, over the weekend. I don't know if I you did, told you, you did that say. I caved. Yeah, I, I caved. Like I, I was walking by, I was walking to the Eaton Center and there's like this weird, I don't even know what it's called, but there's like this weird area by the Queen subway station where it looks like it's a store, but it's not a store, but it's still kind of the path, but it's a store. It's like a grocery store, but it's not a grocery store. It's weird. And I was walking through there and I saw they had like not just the four prime flavors that we get at the Circle K. Like they also had the grape and the orange and the Meta Moon. So I had to I had to try the Meta Moon, even though it was twice the price that you would pay if I got a Circle K. It doesn't matter. I had to try it. And it tasted like a mouthful of Skittles. So, so I'm in favor. Jim asked in the Discord. Yeah. Yes or no? Is it worth it? And you never answered. You don't know Walls. He just said he's in favor. Oh, 
I, I didn't know that was directed towards me. Um, yes, it was worth the, Does it end so to the top. What eventually put me over the, the finish line because I was thinking about it. I'm like, that's a it's like seven ninety nine or something. Like that's a lot. I don't know if I want to pay this just to try this new flavor. A flavor that's new to me. I don't know if it's new or not. But as I was doing all my Christmas shopping, and then like halfway through my Christmas shopping, I stopped at Starbucks to get a uh, a peppermint mocha, a grande peppermint mocha. And that cost me like seven something dollars. So I'm like, okay, you know what? If I'm okay with buying this fucking stupid coffee from Starbucks for seven bucks, why won't I just get a, a Meta Moon for seven dollars as well? So Touche. It didn't bother me. So that is in terms of advertising and how we've been influenced in our lives. And hopefully we're going to do the same thing with our episode sponsor. Because this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at N-O-W-Y-O-U-R. T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or dot com. That's nowyourtreasures.ca or dot com. And make sure you go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send them a DM, 43.6, to receive 43% off your next order. Now, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays didn't get any discounts when they made a trade this past week. But I still think the Blue Jays are in a good position here after this trade. So if you are unaware of this trade, Originally, when the, the trade first broke, it was Moreno going out and Varsho going in. And everyone's like, okay, you know what? Perfect. That sounds great. No problem. I love the deal. And then it was like, oh, and Gurriel's added to it as well. I'm like, oh, I like that less now. But I still would do it in a heartbeat if I was general manager of Toronto Blue Jays. And that was offered to me. Dalton Varsho, who will check a lot of boxes for this team, and you have to give up a prospect, and you have to give up Ariel. Okay, like none of at no point did I look at this saying, "Oh no, the Jays got fleeced or something," which is what all the Instagram or the uh, Twitter commenters will tell you. That oh man, the Jays got fleeced. Can't believe this. Listen, I think there is a a significant effort by this Toronto Blue Jays management to shake things up in that clubhouse. I know that Gurriel and Teoscar only had one year left of control, so you can suggest that they needed to be moved anyways. But I still think there's something there of them saying, you know what, there's half our clubhouse who are professional adults, and there's half our clubhouse who's like goofing around. And I think it's time to lose the fucking pineapple head. And I think it's time to lose the guy throws, you know, lose the jacket, lose the sunflower seed throwing. Like, we need to start bringing in guys like Kevin Kiermeyer. We need to bring in guys like Dalton Varsho. We need guys like, and it happened a year prior with Matt Chapman. And even now with Chris Bassett and with Kevin Gossman. Like, they're bringing in a lot of guys who are no nonsense professionals, professional ball players. And not to mention, Varsho will hit a left bat. 27 home runs in Arizona? 
Yeah, he'll. That's you could argue that's thirty-five something here. That could and should be thirty-five in Toronto in the dome. Not to mention, and this is something I don't hear a lot of people talking about, is the shift is gone this year. Yeah, I mean the extended shift or the exaggerated <clears throat> shift. Like you can still move some infielders around, but not as you have to have two and two on either side. You have to have two per side of second base. So all these left-handed hitters who are hitting two thirty-five are all of a sudden going to hit two seventy-five, and. When you start making those corrections and you start adjusting for the Rogers Center, Dalton Varsho could be an all-star. And, you know, I, I understand that. And I'll, I'll get, let you guys, uh, I just want to give one more piece of information no. out here to like, let you think about this. And another like key component to this is Anthony Kay being placed on waivers. And why that matters is because Anthony Kay was in that Marcus Stroman trade. And the Marcus Stroman trade was Stroman going to the Mets and coming back to the Blue Jays were prospects of Anthony Kay and what was it, like Simeon Woods Richardson or who the fuck it was. The point is, Moreno we love, but he's a prospect. And he could very well be the Anthony Kay of this situation where three years from now he gets dumped on waivers and no one, and no one cares. So your thoughts. <laughs> uh... <laughs> The first thing, the first two things that came to mind when people were freaking out about Mourinho is Danny Hechevarria and Travis Darno. Highly touted prospects in the system. Well, less Darno than Hechevarria. Darno's been a serviceable MLB, but right. not at all. He's Darno's a major league player, yes. Right. But he hasn't been the star that everyone thought he was when they were giving him up as part of it was R.A. Dickey, no? Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't turn out to be this all-star level catcher or, you know, top five, 10 catcher that everyone thought he was going to turn out to be. Hechevarria never turned out to be that number one, two, three type shortstop in the MLB that everyone thought he was going to be when they gave him up. And as we said before, and Jim brought this up, prospects are prospects. You, especially in baseball, when you have 30 of them, you get per season per draft that these guys just because they're high level or high rank doesn't mean they're going to turn out. And it's, it's rare in baseball for you to hit on a prospect than it is for you to not hit. And by hit, I mean a guy lives up to what is prospected to be the potential, right? So yeah, let's, let's say he does. Let's say that Gabe ends up being, so what is his projections? We think like everyone's saying like an all-star. Yeah, it looks like it. They think he's, you know, what, like a four-tool guy. So, so he ends up being an all-star. So he ends up being Alejandro Kirk. Well, right. uh, well Alejandro Kirk, they can run the bases. But I mean, that's why well, sure, you have but, Danny Jansen. So my point is, Kirk's an all-star. Yeah. Right? So, like, we're... I think that's what the Blue Jays fans need to be aware of. Like, yes, Moreno has potential. And I think we're explaining that potential is fucking magic beans. And who knows what's going what's to happen. But even if he does hit that potential, the he's problem, Alejandro Kirk. The problem with a lot of the outcries, it comes from a lot of like, I don't want, like, for lack of a better term, I don't want to say fair weather, but it's, it's the casual fan who gets sold on a guy like Marino through broadcasts, right? Like, yeah. The broadcast team is always like, this guy's next big thing is going to be great, blah, blah. And that's the broadcast team's job. Part of it is to, support the sell team sell the future of the team sell right? the future of the franchise the, people also don't understand that like you mentioned a baseball prospect system is like 
the reason there's so many is because a baseball prospect system is so deep. There's like 46 levels. There's, you know, A, double A, triple A, high, high, whatever. There's international free. Like there's so much that goes into it that you have, you, like you said, you literally have hundreds of prospects that the scouts and teams are looking at are, are watching all the time. And it's hard for those guys to cut through, but I digress. Varsho, man, a couple things. The guy has a six-seven WAR career. Was a four-four last year. Would be second on the Jays behind Alec Manoa in WAR, which is crazy. He, like you said, he's left-handed bat. And if you go, there's a tweet that looks at his spray chart with the dome over overlaid on top. The amount of yeah, sack flies and flyouts that would be home runs and triples in the dome. Like he's not going to play every game in the dome, but like you said, it's probably an added ten to twelve home runs. Uh, onto his count and he's a he's a gold glove runner up left uh, left fielder who's like you said left-handed bat so it spreads spreads the batting order out a bit i think and like you said he's a i called this too not to toot my own horn but uh guriel and teo were both going to be gone this year <laughs> i saw that True. um so um you know like and you're right i think there was a severe problem by the management when they looked at, you know, who they have as manager now, the attitude that they had in the clubhouse. And it's funny, we all thought they would support Vladdy and his, like, and how he might want to move through. But it's, it looks like they're, they're more looking at the way Bichette approaches the game and, and catering to that kind of mentality, which I think is the right way to go. And that's, you know, guys who aren't, like, you're not down six to one and laughing and giggling on the bench. Like, there were times that season when they'd be down big and they'd be laughing and, like you said, throwing sunflower seeds at each other. And I'd be, I'd be losing my mind. Like, like, they just they didn't give a shit. And, like, Teo barely ran the bases. Like, the only, like sometimes I thought Teo and Kirk were the same. Balls in the field. I thought Teo and you Kirk were who, the same guy. You know who also was a horrible base runner? It was Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Horrible. So, um, if you and this is according to fan graphs, and this came to me via Twitter by Chris Black, who's at Down to Black. You should really check his stuff out. He, he is actually very good for Blue Jays coverage. He listed, and the list he got was from fan graphs of the rankings of players based on base running. So, all the players in the league, how they rank in terms of base running. <laughs> uh, Teoscar Hernandez was 282 Lourdes Gurriel was 331 the rest of the Blue Jays George Springer 28th uh, Varsho 44th Kiermaier 49th so if you look at like the guys that they brought in in Good. Varsho and Kiermaier 44th 49th in base running Top dude, 10% versus the, the guys who have gone out in Hernandez 282 and Gurriel 331 it's it's baffling if, and there's also another awesome stat of like how many more bases these players created. So since 2018, Whit Merrifield has created 19 more bases. He's ranked 12th in this category. <laughs> Teoscar Hernandez has increased 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2 bases. Guriel minus 8.5. And actually, the worst on the team is Vladdy Jr. minus 15.6. I feel like a lot of Guerreros, and I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of those are those screamers to the outfield that look like a home run get slowly caught. getting to first base. And it's like you very clearly could have fucking got second base if you're running like a, like not like an asshole. Um, but nevertheless, Merrifield 19, Kiermaier 13, Varsho 8, Dude. Chapman 8. 
when we talk about like these weeks, guys are going to create extra bases they're going to create extra runs for you in different ways they're not they're a completely different player than what you're used to seeing with hernandez i was and i was saying the team that this team the one that's going to win in the al east is a team that manufactures runs right and that's what this team is going to do um it th- these are the moves that when we talk about championship moves like these are the moves that championship ball clubs make. These are workhorses. Chris Bassett is a workhorse. I saw someone saying, "Oh, Ross Stripling had 130 innings, and Chris Bassett had 150 or whatever. Why did they just resign Ross Stripling?" Number one, you don't know that Stripling wanted to be here, so it doesn't matter how much cheaper he came than Bassett. Number two, Stripling did it for a year. Yes. Right. Like Bassett's a proven starter in this league. So I don't know, man. I think. I think they're a much better team than they were yesterday or whatever last year. Are they going to be as exciting? It depends on what kind of baseball you like. If you want to, if you want well, to see home runs jacked every other at bat, probably not. But again, reminder, Springer's going to move to right. He's now going to be in the lineup more. So he's going to bat more because he's going to be more healthy playing right field. Right? And you're probably going to see a lot of, I imagine, 6-2, to 7-1, five two games from this ball club because they're going to churn runs in and they're going to play great defense well my whole thing is one arguably the best defensive team right now i mean outside of the hole that is bichette you could look at to say chapman the whole field whoever's going to be second if it's espinal right now which you're okay with because defensively he's great and vladi at first is like a better than average first baseman Vladdy's gold glover right so, so your your corners are gold gloves in yeah. chapman and vladdy you're right second baseman it could be espinal it could be merrifield who also which is a very good defensive player again, too, right? which you're fine with so you could say that on paper best defensive fielding team right now in the al right so you have that uh you have essentially three center fielders playing your field which is fantastic. Like everyone would kill to have that. Now, my whole thing is, is again, bringing in guys who are professionals. I don't give a shit guys who say, I love to win. I want to be here. I love to win. That's fine. Everyone loves winning. I want people that hate to lose. Right. I want people that it burns their soul to lose a game to the point where you don't like you guys said, don't have those moments with you know, it's a seven to two, it's like, or an eight to one game and they hit a one, you know, a solo shot to right. And they're coming out dancing around with the jacket or after every fucking win, they're dumping the, you know, the water on whoever, or fucking hazel. Yeah. Like I don't care about that shit because everyone enjoys winning that, that goes without saying, but I want guys that it literally bust their soul when they lose, even like the dumbest game in the middle of July. The other thing, too, I think is lost on people is this is now probably the most flexible lineup in the MLB. Whit Merrifield can literally play almost any position on the field. Varsho is a fielder and catcher. So, you know. Same with Bijou. Bijou can play anywhere in the diamond as well. Dude, I, don't, I fucking forgot that guy he was on the team now. So, you look at the way this ball club is made up. It is, you know what it is? It's made for injury is what it is. Because now you have quality guys that have played these positions in there if if kirk or jansen goes down varsho steps in biji goes to the field or merrifield goes to the field 
right? Like they have they have so many options with with MLB players, and I think that's what's key. Like these are they don't have to rely on you know Otto Lopez. They don't have to you know what I mean to come in and take reps. These are MLB quality players, and like Matt said, that that want to play every day and want to compete. And I think there's going to be like it's the killer instinct. And I think like the stuff the the Leafs sometimes we say lack, like these guys have it. I think now. Although, I mean, it's it's to be seen, year, right? Although this year the Leafs have kind of had it, so like which is interesting. But again, that's a discussion for another day. But. Yeah, I just think this this gives this team more of a professional feel, more of a major league feel than it is a bunch of kids running around and, you know, having fun. I think the versatility is key, but not only that, again, I think the mentality and the culture that these guys will bring, the, you know, you could see Bo takes this very seriously. Like, he has fun, yeah, but you can see that this is a dude that puts in the work. You know, the first typically at the field. I mean, George Springer talked about it all the time that, you know, Bo was one of, if not the hardest working guy on that team. And so really, I think this is to settle down Vladdy to be like, Hey, have your fun. Cool. But it's business time. Like we had a lot of hype last year. We didn't deliver, shut up, get to work, play the game. And I think what's also important with this deal is that it gives the Jays a lot more control with Varsho. Yeah. I don't remember exactly how many years it was, three years three, or four, four years or whatever. But it's, four? Yeah, an extra, it's more control than they had with Teoscar and with Guriel combined. So that's something worth keeping in mind. But also, if speaking of a lot of control in a contract, is Carlos Correa. <laughs> and this saga just won't end. So I feel like we got to just at least mention this because it's it's pretty fascinating. So to catch you all up, because I know it's not like a local story, so maybe not everyone's heard about this, but Carlos Correa signed with the Giants for 13 years, which is fucking lunacy for a guy who's 28 years old or whatever he is. So he signed a 13-year deal with the Giants. I think it was like worth $350 million or whatever. He went through the routine physical that is needed after signing these contracts and there was something there that the giants were not comfortable with and the contract was void by the time that news hit he had already signed with the mets and now he signed with the mets for 12 years so one less year for 315 million and it still works out to about 26 million dollars a year i think he's making slightly more with the giants but it's 26 million dollars a year like let's be serious here so now he's on a 12-year deal with the Mets at 26 a year, $315 million. However, it now appears that the Mets are concerned about uh, the results of this uh, physical or whatever health concerns that uh, Correa may have. What's interesting to me is a couple things here. One, the Mets obviously knew about the issues that he had with the Giants. Now, they may not have disclosed... The Giants, whatever they discovered, they may not dis- disclose that with the Mets, to be fair. Uh, I mean, patient and doctor confidentiality and all that. So it's possible they didn't know exactly what the extent of it was. But it's interesting that they only offered him a 12-year deal instead of a 13. Instead of just matching the deal entirely, right? Like, instead of saying, yeah, we'll just give you whatever the Giants gave you. So they gave him one less year. So it makes me wonder if it's like, okay, it's a minor issue and the Giants are more worried about you know, a long-term portion of this deal and then getting fucked on the back end of it. So we'll knock a year off the back end of your deal 
and we'll give you the same amount of money per year and everyone's happy. But it, now he's done the physical again and now the Mets are concerned. So that wasn't the issue, obviously. It wasn't like a long-term thing they were worried about. I think they are worried about something more. So now we're in a situation of this deal with the Mets might be done. If you're, uh, if you're Ross Atkins, <laughs> are you calling the agent of Carlos Correa right now saying, you know what, we'll give you a five-year deal? Or Now, it sounds like Correa is not interested in anything less than what he's currently been given, the 26 over 12. But man, if he just keeps dropping out. And also, here's another thing. Maybe it's time to have all free agents just do a physical. You know what I mean? Like, okay, it's December 1st and free agency is opened. You have to All submit. you free agents go see uh, this Major League Baseball approved physician or this office that is approved by Major League Baseball. Get this physical done. And now Upload we it. can file it. Yeah. It, exactly. It's uploaded to some cloud and... Every team has access to this as long as you are in agreement with the contract. It's not every team is allowed to have it, but once you're in agreement of contract, they go in, they look at it. Okay, great. And now you're signed. Instead of, because what's happening now is that everyone is talking about this guy's physical well being and his public health or his health is now a public matter that everyone is talking about when it, it doesn't need to be this way. Like, we shouldn't even be at this pro- this point of the process. Like, this should already be established before he signs the contract. I'm just wondering if you're the Mets and you look at the Giants, who are contenders, right? Giants are contenders the last couple of years. <clears throat> and you see that for whatever reason they pass on this guy. You're supposed to be the Mets and you're probably the Giants. Like, you're relatively in the same position. Why are, why, why are you jumping? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if somebody... Like I don't know if you're gonna be better than other teams, you're not taking other teams like garbage. Like if 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 the Giants are like we're getting rid of this guy because it's not gonna work for health reasons, why do the Mets think they're gonna get any different? Do you know what I mean? Like why? Yeah, yeah, I know, but like it again, it just looks dumb to me. Like if you're the like, do you think magically you're gonna find something that they didn't or not find something that they did? Like I don't, I don't know. It's weird. It could also, it it could also be just like, what's your level of appetite for accepting injuries and True. certain things, right? So the Giants could just say, hey, this could put him out for the first month and a half of the season. We're not even entertaining that. And the Mets can be like, hey, you know what? We're good with that. We feel like we'll be okay, and then we'll just be better when you get here. So it could very well be something like that. But at the same time, it's just this raises a huge red flag. Like Dustin was saying that it's. You know, obviously we don't know what it is and what it could be because it is a health thing, but a player of that caliber to have essentially two contracts potentially voided because of the physical, that's really concerning because how many times have we seen in other sports where the guy's like, yeah, you know, we're signing him, but he's getting shoulder surgery, so he's actually not going to play for like the first two months of the season. And teams are fully fine with that. So to me, this clearly says either A, an attitude thing with or potentially people pissed off with his agent because we all know who his agent is. We were talking about it beforehand. Or B, it's an injury that they look at and they say, this isn't something that is going to be okay in a month. Or he might be fine for a little bit, but you know, did they find something that's going to put him out longer term? 
Yeah, you know, like if you're or, if you were the Jays and he was out this year, you probably wouldn't <clears> mind. Um, but if you're the Giants or the Mets who are in win now mode, you probably want him there April first, right? Well, I think the Jays are in win now mode, but it's I think it's I don't know. It just it for me it throws something way off when, like I said, historically you have guys and teams that sign these players to say yeah but they're fully okay them not playing the first two months of the season but then this is something that they're two teams are very scared of yeah you know like i i don't even want to say it's potentially like an injury like this sounds really bad and obviously we're getting down a huge rabbit hole and kind of you know hypothesizing about it but what if during the physical they found something like you know, some really crazy, rare hereditary disease that is in his family line that they're like, hey, you know, we identified you have early onset ALS and we're not going to throw this money at you. Or you might only have two years out of the seven that you want. But after that, or like, what if he has, you know, Parkinson's or something like that? That's early. Do you know what I mean? That it could have been something like that. Yeah, I think that's what I... I, I... That's what I was originally assuming when the deal fell apart and he got less term. I was thinking, oh, maybe they discovered something that they think is going to be a problem down the road. But then... One year is not going to make that difference. Yeah, like it's one year. It's not like all of a sudden they gave him a five-year deal. And then the Mets signed... It's just, it's a whole mess. And again, like this is the, this is the, my issue. Is like now people are speculating what his health, health concerns are. And that's... That's not fair to Carlos, right? And I think the system has failed him in how free agents are dealt with. And uh, I think a lot of his blame also should go to Scott Boris as well, his agent. Like, this needs to be figured out before it hits the media. And I don't know if there's some sort of statement that needs to come out, but it, it looks bad on everyone's part. And it makes some of these teams look like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Which well, I know all, it's just everybody. the way the system is, right? That makes everybody look like they don't know what they're doing. It makes Carlos look like a That's like weird. a shyster a little bit. Like it makes him look like a little bit of a used car salesman trying to trying to like sneak past some like health things, right? Like they're like, like people Danny can look at Matilda, where he's putting sawdust in the engine to make it sound better for a few <laughs> extra hundred kilometers. That's a that's a reach of a reference, but yeah, that's exactly where I was going with it, right? So yeah, I mean. I just hope they get it all figured out. It's just like baseball's had so much like messy, sticky shit. Like, like we're checking well, pitchers' hands at the end of every team, inning right? now. Like, we don't need any more of this stuff. Like the Astros, everything. Like, just just one year, man. One year, I just want good baseball. Just, I mean, at this point, one year of good sports without any shit it would be kind of <laughs> nice. But yeah, right? would you like you said off the top? And I don't think we kind of answered it is, is if you're the jays do you take a run at him then not so here's what's going to have to happen if i was ross atkins he would have to, the, obviously the contract would have to be void from the mets and then he's going to have to sign a 10-year deal with the yankees and then that's going to have to get voided and then he's going to have to sign an eight-year deal with the astros and then that's going to like it's going to have to like pass through a bunch of teams until it finally comes down to like a three-year deal for the Blue Jays for like $30 million a season. Then it's, okay, sure. <laughs> no problem. But, three years. I'll take that bet. But for but a 12-year deal? 
there's not a chance in the world I would sign Vladimir Guerrero to a 12 year deal, let alone fucking Carlos Carrera. But that's but I think that's what I'm saying. I think again, that's where I get back to the whole Danny DeVito gimmick is that <clears throat> maybe he knows something. I know I that, said Carrera, but I meant Correa. But you get the idea. Maybe he knows something that he wants that security, right? Like, you know, because if not, and he was just it was short term, then he should have no problem signing a three four year deal, proving it and getting big money again, right? But if he's looking for that post ten year contract, to me it says potentially after year seven he's probably not playing, right? And he wants that money. To secure his future like he wants the bags after so i don't know but now but like you said now we're sitting here talking about it and saying negative things about people which might not be the case right well i don't think you're really saying anything negative you're more just <clears throat> hypothesizing of what it could be and obviously you never hope that it's something truly serious but the way that it's fallen through with two teams like this over that you it kind of starts to lend to something a little bit more serious than a shoulder or a wrist or an arm or a leg issue that it's potentially something, you know, long-term or something like that. Right. That, if that it was your four is, is concerning. Yeah. If it was short term, it would be a non-issue because you're signing him to 12 or 13 years. Yeah. Even if he misses the first season, like you've made a commitment to this person for, you know, over a decade. So the first year doesn't matter. The second year doesn't matter. Unless you are worried about, you know, years in the future. And I think that's what the problem is. Uh, and, it speaking would have of, to be, uh, and it would have to be, sorry, like when, now that you mention it, the way they would have to look at it is that the problem years would have to outweigh the good years. So that means if it's a 12-year contract, they have concerns about years 6 through 12. Because you're not getting the benefit in the balance. Do you know what I mean? You should be worried about that because you'll be in mid-30s by then. No, I know. But you know what I mean, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, sure. the issue that is at hand probably affects specifically years 6 through 12. Like, it's not going to be 1 through whatever. Because, like, if it was years 1 and 2, you still, like you said, you still have 10 years of a contract. So, more than 6 years of, of whatever contract, they're, they're, which is, means, like you said, it's significant. Well, hopefully something that's not significant is the way uh, Team Canada played just yesterday. And we've talked a lot about Hockey Canada on this show, and it's usually not good things. And what I found interesting, at least yesterday, the fact that Canada was wearing a sweater that didn't have the Hockey Canada logo on the chest. They had it on their shoulders and they had it on their helmets. It was almost like you had to look, look for it to find it. I don't know if that's going to be. I haven't looked at what their jerseys are for the duration of the of the tournament, but as you know, hmm, when it, they didn't have the Hockey Canada logo on there, which I thought was fun. Um, what also was um, maybe fun's not the right word, but everyone on this team trying to do the Michigan and uh, failing, and I feel like I feel like that's the last time we're going to see that in this tournament, at least from Team Canada. Yeah. Now, it's it, look, look. Okay, it's. I know it's, a, it's. They're kids. Let's keep that in mind. They're kids, and they're, they they like the chill, as. Uh, <laughs> but you're on the world stage, guys. This isn't like, and you're you're. So here, 
as a non-hockey guy, okay, I didn't grow up playing hockey. I played hockey video games. I played street hockey. Playing ones with his blonde-haired, you know, super-bearded player. If I was playing street hockey and someone tried the fucking Michigan, we're dropping gloves, right? Like, this is you're trying to embarrass us is what you're doing. Oh, I'm going and, full Wendell. And then... Lo and behold, you end up getting clowned out and lose the game five to two, or the fuck it was, against Czechia. Like, this can't happen. This is embarrassing. On home ice. Now, look, the tournament just started, and I get it. it it's one game. Who cares? But for a, for a team like Canada that is usually is usually in the conversation of winning the tournament, especially at home. And, it's, <laughs> and there, I don't know if you guys caught this too, but on the broadcast and on Twitter, and I, I don't know if it was a running joke, but I think it was Mark Masters on Twitter, was like, developing story. Team Canada's goal song is a secret, and it's going to be revealed at the first game. And they, they played some fucking local song or whatever. Like I've never heard of in my life, but whatever. Some Halifax song or some East Coast kind of thing. Sure, whatever. Great. All of, it all of it just seems like arrogance. You know, like we're going to reveal this goal song. And that may have not have been Team Canada. That may have just been TSN being, you know, stupid Bell Media and the shitty bullshit that Bell Media is. But... The arrogance to be like, we're going to reveal this goal song. The arrogance to be playing this high-level hockey game against the top players in your age all over the world, broadcasted all over the world, on Boxing Day on a fucking holiday where everyone and their mom is watching this game. The NFL takes a back seat. There was no... Not NFL, excuse me. The NHL takes a back seat and will not play games on Boxing Day partly to give their guys a rest, but at the same time also to put some eyes in the World Juniors Tournament. Everyone's watching this game. And you're out here hot-dogging, trying to fucking Michigan, getting your teeth kicked in by Czechia, and we're talking about some stupid goal song that was better than the Maple Leafs goal song. I'll give you that, because the Maple Leafs goal song is fucking horrendous. But this is it's, it's a similar conversation to the Blue Jays of how you need guys who want to win. And guys like Matty was saying, guys who hate to lose. There needs to be an attitude change here because these guys aren't playing like they... They're playing like they think they're going to win this tournament before they have won this tournament. Justin Hull just scored one nothing Toronto. Anyway, My um, sports nothing is frozen. I got to go, restart this. But go okay. back and look at rosters. Like... The arrogance thing is real. Go back and look at the rosters and the, I'm going to borrow a word that my brother likes to use often, the ilk of the players that are, that have come through the system. I went back and looked, dude, the, look at the roster that Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff were, were on those teams. Like the 03 or, team. Greatest, even, junior, yeah. greatest, greatest international team ever iced. Yes. Right. Like there's a, there's two things here. One, I think there's a bit of, like you said, arrogance that, we're going to win because we're Team Canada, right? Like, I think that there is something to that. I think the other piece is there, every, everybody wants to be Trevor Zegras because 
Zegris does cool shit. He gets uh, attention at Outlet ABC. He's on the cover of NHL. You know what I mean? And you can't win with a team full of Trevor Zegrises. It doesn't work. In fact, the Ducks got the shit kicked out of them last year. Well, no, by the Coyotes. Oh, yeah. Physically. The Ducks are the worst team in the league. Because remember when they tried to hot dog that shit and then the next shift the Coyotes beat the shit out of them? Jay Beagle. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying, but that's, that is, you have um, action and reaction, like, you know, catalyst and consequence. And I think the team, again, tried to hot dog their shit, tried to look cool, and they got their teeth kicked in. Look cute, might delete later. <laughs> Look cute, got deleted. Yeah, later. got deleted. Okay. And the other piece too is Canada sucks at developing goaltenders. Like they suck. For the last twenty years. They they cannot like it it feels like they cannot get a, a a more than one or two premier goaltenders out of the system. And I don't know whether that has to do with economics and how expensive hockey, let alone the equipment on top of it is to churn them out. I don't know if the game is cheaper in other countries than the equipment's expensive, but both are expensive here, and it's hard to get to be a goaltender in this country. Well, I think it's, I think it's, and they've tried to fix this in recent years because everyone was using their overager as a European goaltender in the CHL. Yeah, there's rules of goaltenders now in the CHL for foreign players. Yeah, so I think that is part of it for sure, and. It's a issue, I agree, that has been camouflaged recently because the NHL has refused to go to the Olympics. And like, what was the last major international tournament, like the World Cup, where we had like Team North America wearing fucking orange jerseys? Was that the last? Yeah, yeah. that was the last major international tournament, right? Like, and I guess Carey Price would have been the starting goaltender for uh, Team Canada. If you look at it now from an NHL level, who would be the starting goaltender for Team Canada? Hey. Jordan Bennington Dar- or Carter Hart? Darcy Kemper, is he Canadian? Yes, he is. He might be. Still. Hey. Matt Murray? Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> no, Kemper's having a hell of a year, but I think it's because the, the Capitals are having a hell of a year. Um, that's, I Dude, think... there was a, a time Mike a, Smith was our, like, our goaltender. Oh, we know how much Matty loves Mike Smith. Oh, God. I- you know what I mean? But the, there was a time where he was... They, like when they talked about Olympics, they were putting him in like the one or one A slot, yeah. and that's it's not enough, right? We to look at the look at the golden years of our Olympic squads. It was Joseph Belfort, Brodeur, even Luongo, like Luongo we, Price. We can't Russia. we can't do that anymore. Like, here's my thing: the arrogance thing, hundred percent, it's there. But I also am a big believer in that you earn your place to have that mentality. And as a country in hockey, you've earned your right to kind of have that mentality going into the tournament. For sure. Do I think you have to find a balance between tempering that? Yes, I do. Um, the whole, you know, trying the fucking Michigan goal. Know, know your moment. Like, you tried it once, didn't work, whatever. Twice. Twice. And you do it again, it doesn't work. You know someone's going to try it again. If I'm that coach, I'm saying, you guys try that shit again, you're sitting. You know, here's the, you know what though? These guys didn't earn that mentality. They're every team. I mean, every year it's a different. Did. Every year it's a it's well every two years it's a different team, entirely. 
So they don't they don't earn that mentality. And no, but <clears throat> I think just you know as a like organizationally to come in there and say hey we typically have you know top to bottom most most of the time the best players usually the most resources usually the most um you know biggest pool to pick from so i think like i said is and a lot of these guys were on the team in august that just won it so i mean i think that like i said is you can be but i think maybe arrogance isn't the right word maybe kind of confidence you have the right to be but i just think there's also something to be said that a lot of these countries are also getting better you know a lot of those guys on the Czechia team play in the chl where before those guys would be staying home and playing in their you know their organizational systems or their development systems back home you know specifically Czechia because I think it's them that have that team like the orange squad or whatever which is their development program in their league only three or four of their players are staying home the rest of the guys all play in junior so there's something to be said that a lot of these nations as a whole are getting better like we just saw who was it Switzerland upset um, Finland Finland Finland, right? <clears throat> so I think overall it's similar to other sports, you know, like basketball, you know, you have a lot of Spanish players, got Canadian players coming in. Yeah. You know, I think as a whole, other countries are getting better. So let's not shortchange them that. But this is historically <laughs> a tournament that Canada has walked over people and that shouldn't have happened. I, I'm shaking my head mainly because uh, St. Louis just scored and... Um... <laughs> I was shaking my head because it was Callie Rosen who scored. And I'm like, the one or fucking time. Callie Rosen. Of course. You don't bet like, on the Leafs. All, yeah. all season, I've been betting. Like I, When I remember, I look at like a Leafs game like, all right, who are they playing? And who's a fucking former Maple Leaf because this asshole is going to score a goal. And I bet on that asshole to score a goal. And today I didn't. And of course, it's Callie Rosen. Who you would have made today. bank um, on uh, on Jimmy VC, but. Yeah, no way. The two goal performance and the game winner. Awesome. Yeah, I'd, it's just, other countries are getting better. I I think I agree, but at the same time, like, go. You know what? I want to do this. I'm going to do a little bit of research before the next episode because the tournament will still be on. Go back and look at quality NHLers of the last seven or eight years from Team Canada squads. They're fucking garbage. Like the amount of quality NHLers compared to the the years previous that the Team Canada squads churn out is not good. I wouldn't like, count that 2003 year though, because that's a lockout year, and that team, those are all yeah, guys no, that no. would have been on their NHL team. Yeah. Like, that's not a fair comparison. That's not a fair comparison, no. But, but it's would, it, they have been producing significantly less like top tier NHL. And that again, they're always going to have the McDavid. They're always going to have the Bedard. They're always going to have Guy X, that is the second coming of John Lennon in hockey. But when it throughout the roster. Like, it's just not, it's not know, the same. I just think it's, I think it's just that you see a lot of other guys also going further up because if you look at some of the players in the NHL that are some of the better players that we, you know, see right now, a lot of them are still Canadian, right? Like you have Jordan Cairo who's playing tonight with St. Louis. You have Kirby Doc, who's going to be a fantastic player in Montreal. You've got um, Thomas Shabbat in Ottawa. You have... Uh, obviously, Kale McCarr, that guy's a unicorn. 
right? So you do have a lot of guys that are still, you know, coming out of the program. I do think obviously the pool is a little, I don't think it's as bad as you think, but it's definitely not at the level of what it used to be. No way in hell it is. Um, and again, we're, what does that say? But again, back to the point of what Dustin was in, you were saying, you know, about like the arrogance, but we have that too, when we're making this comment about one game, right? They could come out tomorrow night and dummy Germany nine to nothing. And then we're going to be like, well, there you go. Right. I, I think back to what you're saying about other countries getting better. I think it happened long ago and it's just getting worse. Right. Cause if you, I was thinking about what you're saying, if you look at the top points guys and i know that's not everything but just as kind of like a small thing it's very spread out amongst nations yep. like it's not it's like it's definitely not canada top heavy at all like mcdavid's number one dry settle tage thompson tage thompson's american right yes and then jason robertson but Kucherov. i would also look at it consistently too like i wouldn't look at it as one year snapshots you would look at it over span of x amount of time Right. Because every, there's always guys like two or three guys that are nowhere to be found the year or two before, but then have a really good year this year, which, yes, there's something to be said about that. You know, guys develop at different rates for sure. But I would say that this would be something you would look at over a longer period of time than just snapshot. I would say, yeah, I would say in the last decade, I bet you if you mapped it out, the, the percentage of Canadians in the top 10 of scoring in the NHL is going down. But I well, think I would I, say, yeah, but that's a mix between like, like we were saying is some countries getting better. I was going to say other countries start flattening themselves out towards that curve. Right. right. So, and you know, we all went through this. What was it like 15 years ago where, or 20 years ago when hockey Canada did that like emergency summit. And then all of a sudden look what happened is they started turning out, you know, seven of the top 10 picks every year for the next 10 years. Right. So I think it's ebbs and flows too. You know, I think other countries get better and then Canada reassesses and then other countries get better. You also said something that I think might be part of the problem too, is that they've delayed contact in um, minor yes. hockey until later years. So notoriously Canada has been kind of a heavy hitter. And I feel like that's always worked in our favor, especially in these tournaments because we were kind of, we were kind of the big bad Canadians. And I feel like, it's twofold a problem for Canada. One, <clears throat> the game itself is moving away from that style of play. Well, especially need international not, hockey. They ref it. So, like, need, like, need I, not just look to at, your point, that was not a headshot. Yeah. On what's his name? He hit him clean in the chest. The guy just went flying back. It was a heavy hit, but they called he did, it a headshot. He did, well, yeah. What they should have called was board because he left his feet. But um, the. Um, the game itself is moving away from that and like the minor hockey system isn't developing it from as young of an age so what you're doing is you're having canada having to try and go on skill for skill against a lot of these countries like matt said that are getting better so when you just do skill for skill apples to apples the playing field is a lot more level whereas canada used to have the advantage of be of physicality that i don't think they have anymore and i wonder if well, if that's part I of it I, I think it is for sure, but this team definitely wouldn't be a sign of it because I think what happened was is they kind of got shocked a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and start, like I said, tomorrow night in running over half those German players. This is a big team. This is the biggest team Canada they've had in roughly 10 to 12 years. And it's right. a lot of top you can be four big. or five guys. What? You can be big. 
<laughs> right. But what I was saying is is known for their leagues to be bigger, heavier players. So it, this year, it's, you know, your top four or five forwards are skilled. And then the rest of your guys are not necessarily not skilled, but they play a more north-south style. Right? So, I mean, and I think the international hockey throws them off a lot because in the CHL half half of those body contacts were you know aren't going to be called in their leagues but in international hockey there's a lot of the time they're going to call a lot of shit that typically isn't well the germans are massive so like each defenseman is like six two for the germans and they have a bunch of forwards that are six two and over so and their goaltenders are all six foot or bigger so again but if they play they have to play heavy and we'll see right right? and Germany only if you saw the score line from I'm oh, sorry was that today what day is today <laughs> that was today yeah Germany and Sweden it was a one nothing final for Sweden so I don't know if it's going to be a a run over situation with Germany and Canada it, I mean it, it needs to be for them to make a statement but I don't know if Germany is going to be a, a big of a pushover as a teams like Austria are who's losing seven nothing to Czechia right now and they also lost eleven nothing to Sweden the day before so and I'm I'm with you though. I want to see them play north south, but in that case, I better not see any more fucking Michigans, because that's no. that's just hanging out no. in the north. That's that's the kind of shit you do in like an all star game. Like, and Zegers has popularized it in the flow of play. But like I said, is guys are catching on to it. Don't oh. don't get me wrong. If you see Zegers going around the net with the puck, don't <laughs> think that a guy's not lining him up Wendell style. And dude, the funny, the funny thing is, is you know, <laughs> funnily enough, Austin Matthews is dying to do it. He's oh, yeah. di- like, like every fifth game, he tries to set it up, or you see him try and set it, and you're just like, oh boy, and then he bails yeah, on it. At least he's on a good team, and he's you know a back-to-back Rocket Richard winner. He's yeah. kind of earned the right to be that creative. I mean, Zegers has done it twice, and so people are like, yeah, it's being creative. But at the same time, when you're in a team that terrible, you should worry <laughs> less about being spotlighted for something like that and that's kind of more of kind of what i hope to see against canada from germany tomorrow is that maybe yeah. a little less of the well of the cute shit we could come know. back next week and they could dummy germany they could in that new year's eve game against sweden they could go for nothing against sweden and then we're all like we'll see you know i mean it's, it's not unprecedented for this show <laughs> it's like how many times <laughs> were we on the maple leafs and the next week they'd rattle off a week shit <laughs> just right out and, and then we're like amazing and they go even on last week, Pascal Siakam, we were saying this guy ain't it, and then he got named the NBA player, the NBA player of the week. So <laughs> maybe that's Canada the key. Team sucks. Yeah. Shit, talk them, and then we get better. Well, you know what? There's some teams that I should talk all the time, and it seems to be working, and they're getting worse. And that's the New York Jets. Uh, we have to start with the Jets because that was the first game on the schedule of uh, Week 16. That is just now behind us. I can't believe week 16 is behind us. The NFL schedule only has two more weeks until it is playoff time. It is exciting but sad, but at the same time, it almost seems like there are some teams in the NFL who are just like hell bent on saying, fuck you, no, I'm not going to make the playoffs. I don't care. I don't want to make the playoffs. And the New York Jets are one of those teams where it's right there for the taking. They, they were in control of their own destiny, had to win. Against the Jags. You had to beat Tony Khan's football team. And the Jets said, no, I don't want to do it. For whatever reason, they are 
all in on Zach Wilson. Even though everyone can look at this situation and say, look, I don't think he's the guy. As, you know what? I don't know. And I, James, you might have said this to me over Discord during the game, where it almost seems like the O-line has just given up on him. Where all of a sudden, when I don't remember the, the guy's name, the third. Chris Strebler. Strebler. When Strebler came in, it was all of a sudden like, they're running the ball. They're getting passes. He's getting protection. It looks like an offense that can move the chains. Like What's happening all of a sudden? I, I, I don't want to believe that's the case, but man, it sure looks that way. So, and I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, like, in Jets' corner this week, um, the the thing with the team, and I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because they're kind of an enigma. So a couple things. One, people forget the, the personal life that Zach Wilson has had over the last two years. He was injured last year, second overall pick. So number one, a lot of weight on your shoulders. Injured last year, injured to start this year. Your best friend from college cheated with your girlfriend, right? Then that girl outed you for apparently sleeping with your mom's best friend, and you're a Mormon. So, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of like what? <laughs> Here, what what is it about? You know, I see this a lot in NFL football. Is it an American thing that all of them are like super religious? Yeah. Well, is, is that what? Is that just a disconnect? Because like Americans are just very more religious than Canadians are. I think it's so. Like, is it the, maybe it's, 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 it's a devotion I, to Christianity. I, I'm a, forgotten yeah, I'm, country. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming forgotten. it's because in the United States, we'll say half of them are uh, Democrats and half of them are Republicans. Republicans are more religious than the Democrats. So if there's 50% of the population that's Republican, I mean, they have a huge population. You got to figure those Republicans yeah. are all, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the math probably makes sense somewhere. I just always see like tweets from athletes who are like, praise jesus i'm like what yeah. the fuck's going on here like did you guys really not pay attention in school like science class and shit <laughs> anyways go on but it um, says the two catholics eh? yeah, yeah um, exactly. <laughs> but uh so you have all that, that pressure and then so he's and then he's out for four weeks right he look at mike white like as much as he's played decent for this team the guy plays on the practice or the practice squad and does all the reps as the number two or three quarterback with this team. It's not impossible to say that Mike White has had more time with this team than Zach Wilson has over the last two years. That's point number one. Point number two, the team accelerated their potential and success way faster than anyone thought and way faster than Zach Wilson could, could catch up to. He was covered a little bit by Brees Hall, because Brees Hall was so good that he could hand the ball off to Brees Hall or throw it short to Brees and Brees would get yards, right? He doesn't have that now. So he's he's behind the team in terms of progression. The team itself, highly ranked defense. They're going to have the offensive rookie of the year. They're going to have the defensive rookie of the year. So like they're the pieces are there. Zach Wilson is now shut down for the season. I think it's the right move, number one. Um the Jets have a problem with tight ends. Uh, the last two games, they've been dummied with, oh, with the, the back, the backfield overplaying the wide receiver and then leaving the tight end open um, for yards. And they can't stop the run up the middle for some reason. Um, you know, Etienne took advantage of that big time last game, and even Trevor Lawrence did um, to some degree uh, with his athleticism. So they got to figure that out. But. Here's my, I was in the card shop today and I said this, and here's my hypothesis. 
The Jets, we've ta- I think we've talked about this before too, but I think this is real. The Jets are going to sign Aaron Rodgers because the Jets have this a team. what I suggested. <laughs> I know, but I think you're right. The, because okay. though, I think they've proven they have a team that can do it. I think this team is a team that can win. They're missing a quarterback. So they're going to say, because the weapons that the Jets have are much better than the weapons the Packers have. So I think Aaron Rodgers comes in two years, and in those two years, Zach sits behind Aaron. I don't think they're going to give up on Zach. And we all know Zach and Aaron sit tight in the offseason because Zach tells Aaron how much he loves him, and I'm sure Rodgers loves that. And then the, the squads practice together. So I wouldn't be surprised like you had suggested, and I'll give you credit for that, that Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet next year. Because I don't think he's going to retire. I just don't. I don't think he can retire with one Super Bowl ring and be satisfied. Well, I mean, a Super Bowl ring and two back-to-back MVPs. I mean, that's... But, I mean, who cares? I just think when you have a team that doesn't want to play for your quarterback, you kind of... I don't know how you can navigate that in the future. Uh, I mean... Does someone need to come in to kind of play and teach Zach Wilson again back to kind of the same thing with the Jays, how to be a professional? Probably. Uh, now, what does that say? Like, what does he have to do to kind of go to that team to say, guys, yes, what he said was a mistake? Because you can't just come out to the media and say, yeah, what I said was stupid or how I've been acting is stupid or whatever. And the team's just going to be like, all right, we're good. You know, you kind of got to show it. And maybe them just, letting guys through him taking hits is that you know and how he reacts is part of what they want to see but maybe it's the punishment yeah like to them they're saying the punishment isn't you standing up in front of cameras and a microphone and saying your piece the punishment is now you're gonna have to eat it a little bit and you're gonna sit there take it and like it and if you really want to show that you want to be part of this team you will sit there and take it and like it until the season's over until your season's over um, I, I do agree though. I do think this team is in a position that they can be competitive and be a good team. But like you said, is they don't have a stabling foundational piece at quarterback at the moment. They have to move the chains. It comes down to moving yeah. the chains and, and they don't, they don't do that right now. Um, time, I think time can heal it. I think two years of a solid quarterback in that position and him being the understudy can heal that a bit. The other name to, to think about is Jimmy Gorgeous. I don't think he's going anywhere, but he's going to be like, I don't think he's going to retire and he's going to be a free agent. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's the one that comes in. I mean, I think there's going to be a guy for sure. That is the, the telling thing will be the draft. Yes. I think, to see the Jets plan. If they draft a QB, you can pretty much guarantee Wilson's going to be dealt. Yep. And they're going to move on from him. If not, then it shows that they're probably bought in to him in the future. Uh, But the Jets can't afford this, man. Like, Geno Smith. And then who was it just before Geno? Sam. Well, then after it was Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. And then, like, man, they can't afford another issue at quarterback. Or they can't afford to draft another guy and then be like, we got to wait another two, three years for this guy. Well, what they really need is a Super Bowl MVP quarterback on their roster. Could be Tom Brady. I mean, it's, they literally have one is Joe Flacco. So, <laughs> Fuck off. Just saying. You know, they already have what you're looking for. Joe Flacco's right well, there. He'll be QB2 on Sunday. Thing does make sense. 
I will say yeah, Aaron Rodgers thing doesn't make a lot of sense. Even Garoppolo makes a lot of sense too. Like I think, it, yeah, they probably will reach for a quarterback in the offseason and someone to mentor Wilson along the way. But I'm not joking about teams not wanting to make the playoffs. Like the Tennessee Titans had to beat the fucking Houston Texans and couldn't do it. So now they are in that jumbled mess in the AFC of teams with a seven and eight record as the main score was a tomorrow's Malik Willis, right? Like you can't expect these young guys to come in and win you football games. Like the, the 2020 year was an anomaly. Herbert Burrow hurts like those guys, like it's an anomaly. They're not <laughs> like why they think Malik Willis is going to carry them to and why the Steelers think like Kenny Pickett, like it's not going to happen. You know, it takes time. So, I mean, yeah, fuck, fucking Titans gave it away, man. To the, but like the Texans. Ugh. That was the Texans second win this year. They had a nine game losing streak going into that game in Tennessee. That's that's <laughs> it's, rough. It's pretty it's pretty embarrassing. And then the last one of at least that uh, for my cursory look over of the standings, the one that jumps out at me is the Dolphins losing to the Oof. Packers. Now look, the Packers watch that game. I watched that game. That was bad. It it was bad. And, and Tua is done. Tua is now in concussion protocol again. You can't have him play. The and this is the second time this season Tua has been in concussion protocol. Should be the third. Arguably should have been the third time. Actually, arguably it shouldn't have been a third time because well, after the second he should have just been shut down. After the first he should have been shut down yeah. for much longer, right? So yeah, like we're all kind of saying the same thing, but like Tua has had now history of brain injuries. Over the span of the past few weeks, that's not good. No. And I don't know how long they're expecting Tua to be out, but currently the Dolphins are sitting in a playoff spot in the final, final wildcard spot. But right on their heels are the Patriots. Still who, the Jets. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a lot of faith in the Patriots right now who just lost to the Bengals. The Jets are right there too, but man, it would have helped if they beat the Jags. But listen, but, they, they got to run the table and they got to play the Dolphins. But yeah, now they, the Dolphins, that may be without Tua Tungvalu. Right, so I'm saying, well, right? They, like, they got to go in and they got to play the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a good team, but not unbeatable. They're a decent um, team. Seahawks yeah. have the same record as the Jets have. Yeah. yeah, and then the Dolphins are without Tua. Not unbeatable. Is Bridgewater back? I imagine so, but I don't know. It, it's, it's fascinating how many times this year... The Jets have played a backup quarterback. Like, I've been talking about this all goddamn here. <laughs> this guy, the hill he's going to die on with the NFL season. It's just, it's, it's amazing how many times this has happened this year. And sometimes it works out for him, sometimes it doesn't. So, but I bet if you go back and you look at every single victory the Jets have this year, it was against a backup quarterback. And then James would be like, well, does the quarterback play defense? Like, no, it's not the point. They beat the Bills. The point is, that's that's a they beat the Bills. Point. That's not the point. Because, they beat the Bills. Because Dustin. we all, no, listen. They beat the I Bills. know they did. It's not, I, I don't care about the Bills. The Bills aren't as scary as they used to be. Josh, Josh Allen hasn't been the best quarterback in the league like he's been in previous years. And Von Miller is gone. The, the fact of the matter is, if your offense and the quarterback being the you know, cornerstone of your offense, if your offense can't get it going and 
ends up three and out every time they go out there. Yeah. Your defense is spending more time on the field than they need to. Yes. And they get tired. And that's how you lose games be, because of missing your starting quarterback. The, the I know Jets, your quarterback's not playing well, defense, but it is but directly the Jets have lost, related. The Jets have lost their games for the same reason you imagined. They've gone three and out. They've they've had bad game management, and it's 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 hurt them the exact same way you you think it's benefited them. So, um, yeah, yeah. The, the NFL is a mess right now. The amount of the amount of teams in divisions where it's like five hundred. Like the the NFC South is a joke. Like it's an absolute well, joke. It is pretty bad, yes. So, <laughs> my hold on. My question is: is back to the Dolphins though? Is can they safely? And I don't mean safely as in the health of the player, but I mean safely as in optically have Tua play again in this no. season. No, I think there's I think there's mad outrage if that man steps on the field again. So you're talking about season or you're talking about even playoffs? I playoff playoffs is is playoffs. football on steroids. Playoffs. Like we, well, we see we see what it's like with every sport. In baseball, you don't see blowouts because everyone's jacked up to eleven. In hockey, that first round is a bloodbath, right? Like guys are just running over each other. And I'm sure it's the same in football that you know, the first week of wildcard games, and if the Dolphins are a wildcard team and have to play in that wildcard game. Like, if that dude yeah. takes a hit, as of right now, the way the standings are, if they hold exactly as they are right now, the Dolphins are in the seven seed, and they would play the Chiefs in Kansas City. And they have to wait the next game. They have to play with the Patriots too, right? The you talking about the Chiefs or the Dolphins? The Dolphins. The Dolphins' next game is in New England, and then at home versus the Jets. So could you imagine? Could you imagine Tua playing that game with Judon? He'd be dead. He'd be dead. That guy had like 15 sacks in one game or something. Like, <laughs> it's just I don't know, man. It's like I I get the competitive nature of football, and they say once you're medically cleared, you're back in, and you want to go, and the player wants to go, but. This, this is a decision that has to be taken out of the players' hands, regardless. And out of any medical staff on the Dolphins, this has to go to, you know, and the NFL probably should go and say, guys, we can't have this. Like, we've already been there. in enough shit with Tua, specifically, that we can't have him go. Every year, if there's a concussion, the team doctor should be able to clear the first protocol. This, if a player has a second one, it should go through the independent, through the NFL. Yeah, I would say not even through the NFL. Like it should, there should be like a governing body outside of the NFL. That yeah, sure, there. right. So uh, according to ESPN's Marcel Luis Jacques, which is a fun name. That's a fantastic um, name, yo. That's a penny dropper of a name. So MLJ is saying that backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater has taken first team snaps while Tungvaloa is out, but McDaniel says it's too early to name a starting quarterback for Sunday's game against the Patriots. No, absolutely not. There's no way to so, go in. So that indicates that they may play Tua on Sunday. I mean, that should cost we're, McDaniel his job. We're going to we're going to watch a man die in the field. Yeah. It may not be like this one obviously. But in the near future, you're going to see a guy who shouldn't have been out there. Yeah, but dude, like, think about if Tua plays the next two games, and I'm not joking, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Jets fan. 
Dude, he's gonna have to face Judon and then Quinn and Williams. Like that's those are sack machines. What do they say? They say like over a period of time that you get one concussion and then like a couple years later you have another one. It's obviously not as concerning because there's enough time for the brain to heal depending on severity. But they say if you've had multiple concussions in a shorter period of time, you're essentially just turning your brain into mush. Yeah. This will be what the third that he's had in the span of three months. This is insane. Like the fact that this is even a topic that it has to be talked about of saying this shouldn't happen. It should just be that press release to his in concussion protocol. He's done for the season shutdown. That should have been the end of it. Yeah. It was week four when he officially entered protocol and he missed. He returned week seven, so he would have missed week five and week six. So he missed two weeks the last time he was injured in this manner. This is so so stupid. It's not enough. In hockey, guys miss months for post-concussion well, so, that all depends on the player, though, right? No, but, the but person, post like, con- how post-concussion how can, syndrome affects no, you. No, how can every hockey player sit out for four or five months, potentially a year, with post-concussion syndrome? These guys are out for a week. It, it's impossible. It's impossible that every hockey player sits out for X amount of time, and these guys... Matt, Matthews, like two years ago, ran into Morgan Riley, and he was out three weeks, almost. And that's just bumping into your player and they were like, no risk. And again, I know that the NHL protocol is very different. They, you know, arguably and kind of laughably that they do something better than the NFL, take head trauma more seriously than the NFL. Which is weird because the NFL got sued for a gajillion dollars. Well, it's because the NFL also has a gajillion dollars to pay for it, right? So, but it's, yeah, NHL guys, they go down. It's when you see concussion minimum you know the guy's gone two weeks like at minimum and a lot of the time it's longer um i would say more often than not guys are gone for a month and before they come back and i just and i don't know if they're saying that maybe the trauma in the nhl is worse because guys get hit literally padding to face it's not through like a helmeted you know protective gear because in the NFL, nothing is going directly in contact to your head or your face in the same way. So maybe that's what changes it up, makes it more severe or worse or whatever. But yeah, it doesn't make sense that most NHL guys are out for a longer period of time and the NFL guys are back in a week or, oh, he cleared protocol, he's fine. Or they get up and keep playing. Yeah. Or have seizures on the field and have to be stretchered off like Tua did. Right. It's just, I don't know. I it just it, this this one just feels weird, weird to me. Almost like I don't want to watch it because you're afraid that any hit he takes is you're terrified. The other major story I think of this week's NFL schedule was I mean not necessarily Denver Broncos losing, that's what they do every week, but <laughs> uh they finally pulled the trigger and fired Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach after a 4 and 11 season, which is strange to me because there's two games left. Who gives a shit? Like, you're not going to make the playoffs. And if you win these two games, you end 6-11 and 11 and you had a horrible season. Or you lose the next two games and you end 4-13 and 13 and you have a horrible season. So I don't know what the purpose is to fire Hackett now. The only thing I can think of 
and I don't know, and I'm sure if I click on this article, I'd probably figure it out. I don't know <laughs> who is taking over. I imagine like their offensive coordinator or whatever is going to get the interim role. It's, it's the guy who they brought in to help deal with clock management. Apparently I read a quick little thing on Twitter. Yeah. It. it says former Baltimore Ravens. Oh, there you go. Assistant coach, Jerry Roseberg, who Denver hired in September to aid in game management decisions has been named the interim head coach. And this is thanks to Jeff Legwold of ESPN. Not as good as the other guy's name. No, definitely not as good. But that's uh, where that news came from. So, yeah, so it's their someone who brought it to be clock management. So what I'm assuming is they're using uh, Roseburg here as like a Rosberg, maybe Rosberg. They're using Rosberg as like, hey, if we don't get who we want in the offseason, we give this guy a shot for two games, see how it goes, and maybe we can give him the full-time role there. Maybe it's just like an on-the-job kind of interview right now. But I think everyone is kind of thinking the same thing of where they're going for head coach next year, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Jim, the, the second it came out, Jim texted. He was like, it's Sean Payton. Yeah, I mean, Sean Payton, like, he's been an analyst. He's had to watch the game from from above. I'm sure he's itching to get back in the game. And if I'm Sean Payton, I'm looking around the league like, as bad as the the Broncos have been, they probably have the most potential against any of the teams that are going to be making head coaching changes. Like, if you think the Colts aren't going to stick with Jeff Saturday, you're not going to want to go to the Colts, right? You're not going to want to go into into a division if the Bucks fire. Is, it, is Todd Bowles the head coach there now? I forget. Like, whoever the head coach is, the Bucks. Arizona, maybe. Maybe, but if you look at the roster of the Broncos, they should be better than they are. I saw a funny video on Twitter of one of the football analysts doing like the win predictions by week, and he's like, "Oh, the Raiders, like what well, win?" And he's just, and it's just, yeah, I see it's that wrong too. the whole thing. So I think there's there even in our NFL preview, I thought the Broncos were going to be way better. I, there was there was no way anyone would have predicted that Russell Wilson would be this shit. There's no way. Um, Cringe God? This bad? Yeah. yeah, right? But, like, no one even, like, he became he cringe. He off MVP-level season in Seattle. Like, you didn't think it would be this bad. And he, he became cringe because of how bad he was playing that people started digging up weird shit and making fun <laughs> of him because he was terrible. Like, well, his a couple, play... A couple things were known, but they're like, man, Russell, you're cringe. But they kind of Am- overlooked amplified. it because it's good. Amplified, yeah. right? And I think even the start of the year with this whole, like, Broncos Nation, let's ride. Like, like people were. It was just. It didn't feel right from the start, but they got to find someone to to bring that locker room together, and to tighten tighten up that ship. Because what happened on the sidelines this weekend, like that can't happen. It can't. Like you can't have your your backup quarterback fighting with your O line, and then having Russell Wilson trying to calm everyone down. When well, it the, was the backup quarterback standing up for Russ, telling them right. that. But that's what I mean. Yeah. But then, then Russ is basically sucking up to the Works O-line. For people who don't know, I mean. Yeah. And then Russ is sucking up to the O-line, being like, no, no, it's okay. Like, no, Russ, you're the fucking dude that's getting hammered out there. No, like, you're I'm the not, general. Not, yeah. Like, you sh- if anything, don't say anything. Like, just stay out of that. Because... You, you look weak if you're going and trying to sell. Like, I know they're the guys that are supposed to protect you, but that's their fucking job. Like, you shouldn't have to suck up to them for them to do that. So, I don't know. they they got to find a guy who can come in there and say, like, 
And Peyton's the guy to do it. I mean, that guy literally put bounties on people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, well, like I would say, his track record in New Orleans is pretty good. Granted, he had one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history in Drew Brees, but the side eye Dustin just gave was brilliant when I said that. <laughs> but. I do agree. I think if there's any guy that you would bring in that would be able to handle that situation, he probably would be it. Um, I think that someone needs to, knowing the type of guy, obviously, that Russ is and just kind of awkward, and maybe he's just not the type of guy to voice it in the room. He needs a coach that is going to do it for him and kind of say, get your shit together. You know, you're leaving him out to dry and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, maybe the current coach is just, or now ex coach, just wasn't the guy to do it. So, yeah, I think Sean Payton, and considering that, you know, a lot of the things you read on Payton about coming back to coach is that he's kind of putting together quite the staff if he were to come in, Drew Brees being one of them, you know, as part of any coaching staff that he may have, which would be really interesting because, I mean, Drew Brees is a pretty good mind of the game, I would say. And he would have some great insight to, you know, as a coach, I think. So I think it would be good. Um, but again, Black Monday is coming up real quick. And there's going to be a lot of guys on teams no longer that could be great candidates for a lot of teams. So. I think they need to find a guy who's going to build a playbook for Russell, right? Like, I think the the offense yeah. flowed a lot through Russell in Seattle. Um, you know, and he, the system he could with, just not gel with him, like you you know you're saying, right? Yeah, and there seemed to be a lot of confusion in the play calling and stuff. So I think they just need they need they need to be on the same page. It sounds so rudimentary, but the team just needs to be on the same fucking page. Speaking of, oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's just one more point about the NFL, and I just saw this, and I know it's touching on I mentioned the Cardinals, but, man, J.J. Watt retiring at the end of the year. That's nuts. One of the best defensive players in history. Just and he just signed that right fucking there. huge contract. Yeah. Maybe he's and one of those he's, guys picking health over everything. Yeah. And he, he's playing the league forever, too, which is yeah. so rare to see, right? Like I think of – when I think of J.J. Watt, the th first thing that comes to my mind is him in a – pool on a floaty like making fun of ruxin on like episode like season three of the league and that was like in 2010 or 2011 and he was an established player at that point like he's played in the league for well over a decade right at a high level in the defensive position you don't see that very often you forget how long he actually has been in the nfl because he's just and consistently like you said just year after year after year a guy that was feared by other teams, right? Hang well, on. I wanna, speaking uh, of cons I was going to say, I want to try this. <laughs> so, J.J. Watt, I heard he thought about playing <laughs> next season, but then he remembered LeBron's quote. <laughs> I have no idea what that just said. <laughs> it's from TikTok. So, they do this thing where it's like, for sports, it's like, Ja was going to make the dunk, but then he remembered LeBron's famous quote. And they just play him trying to sing lyrics, but he doesn't know the lyrics. So people think he says, yabba dabba do, little boy old Navy or something. Okay. So I wasn't supposed to identify what the hell no. this said. No. no. It's no. just the, the gimmick is that someone was going to do something, but then they remember what LeBron said. And it means nothing. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I had a pretty good segue, and then Maddie had one more thing to say, and then I had another good segue, and then James played his TikTok clip. So now I have no segue, but here is our picks for week 16. I picked the Niners over the Commanders, which paid. James picked the Lions over the Panthers, which did not work out for him. And Maddie picked the Rams over the Broncos, which paid. The score currently is Maddie with 12, James with 7, and myself with 10. So, with two weeks left in the NFL schedule, James is officially eliminated. He cannot get any higher than third place. <laughs> I can tie Maddie if I run the table and Maddie loses out. So, it's unlikely. It looks like Maddie's going to win this year. But, nevertheless, James has still made a pick. He has picked the Jags over the Texans. I am picking the Lions over the Bears because the Bears are shit and the Lions are okay. <laughs> that's kind of like where we're at right now it's like yeah i guess this team's good and the other team's not so and maddie you're picking the cardinals over the falcons right yes so that's our three picks for week 17 lions over bears jags over texans cardinals over falcons and if we had a sponsorship with fan duel or some shit this is when we tell you to like use a promo code or something but we don't have one of those so <laughs> use whatever Use whatever betting service you want to use or don't. No, that's fine with me as well. No, we're but not financial advisors. We are not financial advisors. We uh, we cannot recommend you do any of these things. Um, but what we... Oh! oh. But what we, what we can do is now go to everyone's favorite segment of the week. I'll do it right this time. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is shoutouts. And it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from his run in WWE from 2001 to 2001. Um, I'll go first. And I had two I was kind of going back and forth with, but I'm going to stick with this one because I have a bit more to say about this one. Uh, my shoutout goes to uh, one Harim Shazad. Now, Harim is someone I used to work with at my shoot job in a couple different teams, actually. And every year, Harim does this fundraiser to give away... Um, I was going to say prizes. Prizes is not the right word. To give away uh, resources and needed items for homeless people. So she does a fundraiser to get canned food and to get like hand sanitizers and you know just everything someone would need in their life that you if you didn't have when you're homeless and every year she does a fundraiser for about five thousand dollars and then buys all this stuff and then hands it out to different shelters and stuff which is like the coolest fucking thing in the world like i would never do that myself personally <laughs> like like i think i'm a good person but like then i see people do stuff like that like with their own personal time and taking all this effort to do this i'm like that's actually a good person i'm just someone who just fucking sits here <laughs> so uh shout out to harim who and actually you know what cbc actually picked up on this and like had an interview with her yesterday or something so that's pretty cool as well so shout out to Harim, who will never hear this, but um, that is really cool. And hope you keep doing it because that's like a, just a really cool thing to do over the holidays. Jim. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, man. I'm gentlemen. <laughs> okay. Honestly, this is kind of goes back to something uh, I, I had kind of brought up next last week and Jim kind of did it earlier on in the year but i just i think it kind of goes without saying especially after some of the shit that i've seen through this holiday season is just 
anybody that has to service any of these fucking trash humans throughout the holiday season, whether you're, you know, a grocery store worker, whether you're, you know, working retail or, you know, kind of any service industry like that, you know, shout out to you people because seeing the absolute, you know, scum of the earth treat them the way they did is just absolutely disgusting and it pisses me off. So I just want to say like those people, you have the patience of, of, uh, of a nun. Uh, my shout out is to the movie Jingle All the Way for being the fucking classic of the season every year. Um, yes. I my boss in the U.S. Um, was so gracious enough uh, a year and a half ago send to get me, man? yeah, to send me a Turbo Man from Walmart in the U.S. So I have a Turbo Man doll that sits uh, <laughs> sits nestled gently under my tree. Uh, no, it's actually on a shelf that I put up <laughs> as um as a uh as a de- christmas decoration each year in the box so um no it doesn't fall apart it's not in spanish uh it's the real thing um and a side shout out like you know watching that movie back and what happened to them was terrible but phil hartman was a fucking genius man um and the fact that like how it ended troy for him McClure. and his wife sorry troy mcclure troy mcclure uh news radio um snl um like he was, he was just a fucking genius in comedy, and um, again, mental health, like murder suicide, is fucking crazy horrific. But um, his body of work was incredible. So, uh, but jingle all the way, man, uh, love it. It's hilarious. So, the fact that you shook your head, Dustin, upsets me. <laughs> no, no, no. Like I was trying to think because I know I saw Phil Hartman in something recently. No, but jingle all the way. Oh, um, yeah. I, you know what? I actually put that movie on like on the 23rd or 24th and I was trying to watch it. I'm like, this is dumb. Why am I watching what? this? Like I used to love it. My house? I loved it when I was a kid. And that was kind of the theme this past year. Like I watched the power Rangers movie and I watched home alone too. Like I watched a bunch of like the, not necessarily Christmas movies, but like movies I watched a lot when I was a kid and jingle all the way was something I used. I wore out that VHS. Like I watched that movie all the time, but I didn't get past like 20 minutes of it until I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch something else. No, that's upsetting because that's that movie is chock full of moments that you just <laughs> he got can't two. Help but he got two. Maybe it was Jingle All the Way. <laughs> like I know I watched something that had Phil Hartman in it recently, and I'm like, is that <laughs> Phil Hartman? And yeah, and my, oh, you know what? Maybe it was Seinfeld. I don't know. I was watching both those recently. Was Phil Hartman in Seinfeld? Supposedly he was man on phone, a voice and uncredited. Oh. Hmm. Like I said, I I know mostly from Jingle All the Way and Simpsons, uh, and like but, news radio a little bit, but mostly Simpsons and and uh, Jingle All the Way. Fucking news radio with Joe Rogan. <laughs> news radio is very funny. Oh, I don't know if funny. it's streaming anywhere currently. That's worth a watch if you haven't seen it. And what's it called? Uh, what's his name? Um, from Kids in the Hall. Yeah, Dave Foley. Dave Foley. Yeah, Kids in the Hall was good too. All right, we have a chance to end on time. So, all right, well then we're going to end on time for the first time in a well over a month. Thank you for joining us for episode thirty-six of forty-three point six. We will see you next week. Actually, we'll see you next year. Is when we'll oh, see you for our next episode of forty-three point six, the sports podcast you always wanted. <laughs>